0: Chapters Seven Through Twelve of Confessions This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jeannie. Confessions by Saint Augustine. Translated by Albert C. Outler. Book Eight. Chapters Seven Through Twelve. CHAPTER Seven. Such was the story Ponticianus told. But while he was speaking, thou, O Lord, turned me toward myself, taking me from behind my back, where I had put myself while unwilling to exercise self-scrutiny. And now thou didst set me face to face with myself, that I might see how ugly I was, and how crooked, and sordid, bespotted, and ulcerous and I looked, and I loathed myself. But whither to fly from myself I could not discover. And if I sought to turn my gaze away from myself, he would continue his narrative, and thou wouldst oppose me to myself, and thrust me before my own eyes, that I might discover my iniquity, and hate it. I had known it, but acted as though I knew it not. I winked at it, and forgot it but now the more ardently i loved those whose wholesome affections i heard reported that they had given themselves up wholly to thee to be cured the more did i abhor myself when compared with them for many of my years perhaps twelve had passed since my nineteenth when upon the reading of cicero's hortensius i was roused to a desire for wisdom and here i was still postponing the abandonment of this world's happiness to devote myself to the search for not just the finding alone but also the bare search for it ought to have been preferred above the treasures and kingdoms of this world better than all bodily pleasures though they were to be had for the taking but wretched youth that i was supremely wretched even in the very outset of my youth I had entreated chastity of thee, and had prayed, Grant me chastity and continence, but not yet. For I was afraid lest thou shouldst hear me too soon, and too soon cure me of my disease of lust, which I desired to have satisfied rather than extinguished. And I had wandered through perverse ways of godless superstition, not really sure of it either, but preferring it to the other, which I did not seek in piety, but opposed in malice. And I had thought that I delayed from day to day in rejecting those worldly hopes and following thee alone, because there did not appear anything certain by which I could direct my course. And now the day had arrived in which I was laid bare to myself, and my conscience was to chide me. Where are you, O my tongue?' You said indeed that you were not willing to cast off the baggage of vanity for uncertain truth. But behold now it is certain, and still that burden oppresses you. At the same time those who have not worn themselves out with searching for it as you have, nor spent ten years and more in thinking about it, have had their shoulders unburdened, and have received wings to fly away thus was i inwardly confused and mightily confounded with a horrible shame while ponticianus went ahead speaking such things and when he had finished his story and the business he came for he went his way and then what did i not say to myself within myself with what scourges of rebuke did i not lash my soul to make it follow thee as i was struggling to go after thee yet it drew back it refused it would not make an effort. All its arguments were exhausted and confuted. Yet it resisted in sullen disquiet, fearing the cutting off of that habit by which it was being wasted to death, as if that were death itself. CHAPTER eight. Then, as this vehement quarrel which I waged with my soul in the chamber of my heart, was raging inside my inner dwelling, agitated both in mind and countenance, I seized upon Alopeus, and exclaimed, What is the matter with us? What is this? What did you hear? The uninstructed start up and take heaven, and we, with all our learning but so little heart, see where we wallow in flesh and blood. "'Because others have gone before us, are we ashamed to follow, and not rather ashamed at our not following?' I scarcely knew what I said, and in my excitement I flung away from him, while he gazed at me in silent astonishment. For I did not sound like myself. My face, eyes, colour, tone, expressed my meaning more clearly than my words.' There was a little garden belonging to our lodging, of which we had the use, as of the whole house, for the master, our landlord, did not live there. The tempest in my breast hurried me out into this garden, where no one might interrupt the fiery struggle in which I was engaged with myself, until it came to the outcome that thou knewest, though I did not. But I was mad for health, and dying for life, knowing what evil thing I was, but not knowing what good thing I was so shortly to become. I fled into the garden, with Alopeus following step by step, for I had no secret in which he did not share, and how could he leave me in such distress? We sat down, as far from the house as possible. I was greatly disturbed in spirit, angry at myself with a turbulent indignation, because I had not entered thy will and covenant, O my God while all my bones cried out to me to enter extolling it to the skies the way therein is not by ships or chariots or feet indeed it was not as far as i had come from the house to the place where we were seated for to go along that road and indeed to reach the goal is nothing else but the will to go but it must be a strong and single will not staggering and swaying about this way and that a changeable twisting fluctuating will wrestling with itself while one part falls as another rises finally in the very fever of my indecision i made many motions with my body like men do when they will to act but cannot either because they do not have the limbs or because their limbs are bound or weakened by disease or incapacitated in some other way thus if i tore my hair struck my forehead, or, entwining my fingers, clasped my knee. These I did, because I willed it. But I might have willed it, and still not have done it, if the nerves had not obeyed my will. Many things, then, I did, in which the will and power to do were not the same. Yet I did not do that one thing which seemed to me infinitely more desirable, which before long I should have power to will because shortly when i willed i would will with a single will for in this the power of willing is the power of doing and as yet i could not do it thus my body more readily obeyed the slightest wish of the soul in moving its limbs at the order of my mind than my soul obeyed itself to accomplish in the will alone its great resolve CHAPTER Nine. How can there be such a strange anomaly? And why is it? Let thy mercy shine on me, that I may inquire and find an answer, amid the dark labyrinth of human punishment, and in the darkest contritions of the sons of Adam. Whence such an anomaly, and why should it be? The mind commands the body, and the body obeys. The mind commands itself, and is resisted the mind commands the hand to be moved and there is such readiness that the command is scarcely distinguished from the obedience in act yet the mind is mind and the hand is body the mind commands the mind to will and yet though it be itself it does not obey itself whence this strange anomaly and why should it be I repeat, the will commands itself to will, and could not give the command unless it wills. Yet what is commanded is not done. But actually the will does not will entirely. Therefore it does not command entirely. For as far as it wills, it commands. And as far as it does not will, the thing commanded is not done. For the will commands that there be an act of will. Not another but itself. But it does not command entirely. Therefore what is commanded does not happen. For if the will were whole and entire, it would not even command it to be, because it would already be. It is, therefore, no strange anomaly partly to will and partly to be unwilling. This is actually an infirmity of mind, which cannot wholly rise while pressed down by habit even though it is supported by the truth and so there are two wills because one of them is not whole and what is present in this one is lacking in the other chapter ten Let them perish from thy presence, O God, as vain talkers and deceivers of the soul perish, who, when they observe that there are two wills in the act of deliberation, go on to affirm that there are two kinds of minds in us, one good, the other evil. They are indeed themselves evil when they hold these evil opinions, and they shall become good only when they come to hold the truth and consent to the truth, that thy apostle may say to them, You were formerly in darkness, but now are you in the light of the Lord. But they desired to be light not in the Lord, but in themselves. They conceived the nature of the soul to be the same as what God is, and thus have become a thicker darkness than they were. For in their dread arrogance they have gone farther away from thee, from thee the true light that lights every man that comes into the world. Mark what you say, and blush for shame. Draw near to him, and be enlightened, and your faces shall not be ashamed. While I was deliberating whether I would serve the Lord my God now, as I had long purposed to do, it was I who willed, and it was also I who was unwilling. In either case, it was I. I neither willed with my whole will, nor was I wholly unwilling and so I was at war with myself, and torn apart by myself. And this strife was against my will, yet it did not show the presence of another mind, but the punishment of my own. Thus it was no more I who did it, but the sin that dwelt in me, the punishment of a sin freely committed by Adam, and I was a son of Adam." For if there are as many opposing natures as there are opposing wills, there will not be two, but many more. If any man is trying to decide whether he should go to their conventicle or to the theatre, the Manichaeans at once cry out, See, here are two natures, one good drawing this way, another bad drawing that way. For how else can you explain this indecision between conflicting wills? But I reply that both impulses are bad, that which draws to them, and that which draws back to the theatre. But they do not believe that the will which draws to them can be anything but good. Suppose, then, that one of us should try to decide, and through the conflict of his two wills should waver whether he should go to the theatre or to the church. Would not those also waver about the answer here? For either they must confess, which they are unwilling to do, that the will that leads to our church is as good as that which carries their own adherents and those captivated by their mysteries. Or else they must imagine that there are two evil natures and two evil minds in one man, both at war with each other. And then it will not be true what they say, that there is one good and another bad. Else they must be converted to the truth, and no longer deny that when any one deliberates there is one soul fluctuating between conflicting wills let them no longer maintain that when they perceive two wills to be contending with each other in the same man the contest is between two opposing minds of two opposing substances from two opposing principles the one good and the other bad Thus, O true God, thou dost reprove and confute and convict them. For both wills may be bad, as when a man tries to decide whether he should kill a man by poison or by the sword, whether he should take possession of this field or that one belonging to someone else, when he cannot get both, whether he should squander his money to buy pleasure, or hold on to his money through the motive of covetousness, whether he should go to the circus or to the theatre, if both are open on the same day, or whether he should take a third course, open at the same time, and rob another man's house, or a fourth option, whether he should commit adultery, if he has the opportunity. All these things concurring in the same space of time, and all being equally longed for, although impossible to do, at one time. For the mind is pulled four ways by four antagonistic wills, or even more, in view of the vast range of human desires. But even the Manichaeans do not affirm that there are these many different substances. The same principle applies as in the action of good-wills. For I ask them, is it a good thing to have delight in reading the Apostle, or is it a good thing to delight in a sober psalm, or is it a good thing to discourse on the gospel? To each of these they will answer, It is good but what then if all delight us equally and all at the same time do not different wills distract the mind when a man is trying to decide what he should choose yet they are all good and are at variance with each other until one is chosen when this is done the whole united will may go forward on a single track instead of remaining as it was before divided in many ways So also, when eternity attracts us from above, and the pleasure of earthly delight pulls us down from below, the soul does not will either the one or the other with all its force. But still it is the same soul that does not will this or that with a united will. And it is therefore pulled apart with grievous perplexities, because for truth's sake it prefers this, but for custom's sake it does not lay that aside. CHAPTER Eleven. Thus I was sick and tormented, reproaching myself more bitterly than ever, rolling and writhing in my chain, till it should be utterly broken. But now I was held but slightly, but still was held. And thou, O Lord, didst press upon me in my inmost heart with a severe mercy, redoubling the lashes of fear and shame, lest I should again give way, and that same slender remaining tie not be broken off but recover strength and enchain me yet more securely i kept saying to myself see let it be done now let it be done now and as i said this i all but came to a firm decision i all but did it yet i did not quite still i did not fall back to my old condition but stood aside for a moment and drew breath and i tried again and lacked only a very little of reaching the resolve, and then somewhat less, and then all but touched and grasped it. Yet I still did not quite reach or touch or grasp the goal, because I hesitated to die the death and to live to life. And the worse way, to which I was habituated, was stronger in me than the better, which I had not tried. "'and up to the very moment in which I was to become another man, "'the nearer the moment approached, "'the greater horror did it strike in me. "'But it did not strike me back, nor turn me aside, "'but held me in suspense. "'It was, in fact, my old mistresses, "'trifles of trifles, and vanities of vanities, "'who still enthralled me. "'They tugged at my fleshly garments, and softly whispered, "'Are you going to part with us?' And from that moment will we never be with you any more? And from that moment will not this and that be forbidden you forever? What were they suggesting to me in those words this or that? What is it they suggested, O my God? Let thy mercy guard the soul of thy servant from the vileness and the shame they did suggest. And now I scarcely heard them, for they were not openly showing themselves and opposing me face to face but muttering, as it were, behind my back, and furtively plucking at me as I was leaving, trying to make me look back at them. Still they delayed me, so that I hesitated to break loose and shake myself free of them, and leap over to the place to which I was being called, for unruly habit kept saying to me, Do you think you can live without them? But now it said this very faintly, For in the direction I had set my face, and yet toward which I still trembled to go, the chaste dignity of continence appeared to me, cheerful but not wanton, modestly alluring me to come and doubt nothing, extending her holy hands, full of a multitude of good examples, to receive and embrace me. There were there so many young men and maidens, a multitude of youth and every age, grave widows and ancient virgins, and continence herself in their midst, not barren, but a fruitful mother of children, her joys, by thee, O Lord, her husband. And she smiled on me with a challenging smile, as if to say, Can you not do what these young men and maidens can?— Or can any of them do it of themselves, and not rather in the Lord their God? The Lord their God gave me to them. Why do you stand in your own strength, and so stand not? Cast yourself on him, fear not. He will not flinch, and you will not fall. Cast yourself on him without fear, for he will receive and heal you. And I blushed violently, for I still heard the muttering of those trifles, and hung suspended. Again she seemed to speak. Stop your ears against those unclean members of yours, that they may be mortified. They tell you of delights, but not according to the law of the Lord thy God. This struggle raging in my heart was nothing but the contest of self against self. And alopeus kept close beside me and awaited, in silence, the outcome of my extraordinary agitation. CHAPTER Twelve. Now, when deep reflection had drawn up out of the secret depths of my soul all my misery, and had heaped it up before the sight of my heart, there arose a mighty storm, accompanied by a mighty rain of tears. That I might give way fully to my tears and lamentations, I stole away from Alopeus. "'for it seemed to me that solitude was more appropriate for the business of weeping. "'I went far enough away that I could feel that even his presence was no longer a restraint upon me. "'This was the way I felt at the time, and he realized it. "'I suppose I had said something before I started up, "'and he noticed that the sound of my voice was choked with weeping. "'And so he stayed alone, where we had been sitting together, greatly astonished.' I flung myself down under a fig-tree, how, I know not, and gave free course to my tears. The streams of my eyes gushed out an acceptable sacrifice to Thee. And, not indeed in these words, but to this effect, I cried out to Thee. And Thou, O Lord, how long? How long, O Lord? Wilt Thou be angry for ever? O, remember not against us our former iniquities. For I felt that I was still enthralled by them. I sent up these sorrowful cries, "How long? How long? To morrow, and to morrow? Why not now? Why not this very hour make an end to my uncleanness?" I was saying these things, and weeping in the most bitter contrition of my heart, when suddenly I heard the voice of a boy or a girl, I know not which, come from the neighboring house, chanting over and over again, "'Pick it up. Read it. Pick it up. Read it.' Immediately I ceased weeping, and began most earnestly to think whether it was usual for children in some kind of game to sing such a song. But I could not remember ever having heard the like. So, damming the torrent of my tears, I got to my feet, for I could not but think that this was a divine command to open the Bible and read the first passage I should light upon for I had heard how Anthony, accidentally coming into church while the gospel was being read, received the admonition as if what was read had been addressed to him, Go and sell what you have and give it to the poor, and you shall have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. By such an oracle he was forthwith converted to thee so i quickly returned to the bench where alopeus was sitting for there i had put down the apostle's book when i had left there i snatched it up opened it and in silence read the paragraph on which my eyes first fell not in rioting and drunkenness not in chambering and wantonness not in strife and envying but put on the lord jesus christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfil the lusts thereof I wanted to read no further, nor did I need to, for instantly, as the sentence ended, there was infused in my heart something like the light of full certainty, and all the gloom of doubt vanished away. Closing the book, then, and putting my finger or something else for a mark, I began, now with a tranquil countenance, to tell it all to Alopeus. And he in turn disclosed to me what had been going on in himself, of which I knew nothing, HE ASKED TO SEE WHAT I HAD READ. I SHOWED HIM, AND HE LOOKED ON EVEN FURTHER THAN I HAD READ. I HAD NOT KNOWN WHAT FOLLOWED, BUT INDEED IT WAS THIS. HIM THAT IS WEAK IN THE FAITH, RECEIVE. THIS HE APPLIED TO HIMSELF, AND TOLD ME SO. BY THESE WORDS OF WARNING HE WAS STRENGTHENED, AND BY EXERCISING HIS GOOD RESOLUTION AND PURPOSE, ALL VERY MUCH IN KEEPING WITH HIS CHARACTER, in which in these respects he was always far different from and better than i he joined me in full commitment without any restless hesitation then we went in to my mother and told her what happened to her great joy we explained to her how it had occurred and she leaped for joy triumphant and she blessed thee who art able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think for she saw that thou hadst granted her far more than she had ever asked for in all her pitiful and doleful lamentations for thou didst so convert me to thee that i sought neither a wife nor any other of this world's hopes but set my feet on that rule of faith which so many years before thou hadst showed her in her dream about me and so thou didst turn her grief into gladness more plentiful than she had ventured to desire and dearer and purer than the desire she used to cherish of having grandchildren of my flesh end of book 8 chapters 7 through 12